Welcome back to another episode. It's officially the NBA offseason. The Denver Nuggets are your NBA champions, beating the Miami Heat 4-1. to one. Um, In my opinion, not really much of a series. It felt like the Nuggets had control for most of it. But I have the biggest Heat fan I know here, Max Schwartz on, as well as Jack Schwartz, who's a Blazers fan. And we got a lot to talk about with them as well. But Max, I'm going to start with you. What was your reaction to the series? Obviously, a great run for Miami, but fell short in the end. Yes, uh, very depressing. Hard to even come on this pod, but found a way to do it. Um, my first thoughts are, like you said, great run. Happy that we were even there. When we did our podcast prior to the playoffs, my expectations were that we were just going to slaughter Atlanta and we were going to go in and try and compete against Boston. We end up losing that game, almost losing against the Bulls in the next playing game, and then being able to lose Hero and then still beat the Bucks in five was just something I could have never predicted, even though, of course, as a, a Heat fan, I always have hope. I mean, that that's just crazy. And even with Giannis getting hurt, every game that Giannis played, those final two in that first quarter that he played, you know, we beat them, and we looked pretty good beating them. Then they go against New York. He gets hurt a little bit, Jimmy Butler I'm talking about, but we still are pretty much able to run through them. We go against Boston. When I say we, I mean Miami. They go against Boston. They play pretty well in games one and two. Jimmy ends up getting into that little scuffle at the end of game two with Grant Williams and then wheels them to that win. Then they blow them out in game three. It looks like you know, this might be a sweep. We're up at the half in game four. We end up losing that game at home. Go back to Boston, lose. And then in Miami, that crazy Derek White buzzer beater. And you just think, oh my gosh, all hope is lost. They go back to game seven in Boston. Uh, Jason Tatum hurts his ankle on the first play of the game. And they end up just running through them and blowing them out on Boston's home court. So... And then even though they had no rest, they still don't have Hero. Obviously, they lost Oladipo as well. There's some hope that Hero might come back. And, you know, you look at what Denver did on the other side. Even as someone who watched all the games, I'm like, okay, they beat the Lakers. They did sweep them, but all the games are close or, or were close. So it was like probably the most competitive sweep I'd seen in a while. And then you look at who they beat prior to that. They beat the Timberwolves in five, um, and they're a playing team. And then they beat the Suns, who, who Chris Paul was out for some of that series, and they didn't have a lot of chemistry. They were put together very last minute, even when they got Durant, he then got hurt. So not a lot of chemistry there, and you just felt like Denver just, just played better than them, and it would take just a miracle from Phoenix to win that series. So I had a little bit of confidence going into the series, and then, like you said, it did look like, Denver sort of had a stranglehold on this series to begin with um, and kept that going. But at the same time, on that same token, we were just a few, Miami was a few possessions away from forcing this back home with a chance to force seven games. They stole game two. And then I think without a Bruce Brown putback, they would have had a real chance to take that home and give themselves a shot to win in Miami. So um, ended up being five games. Denver looked like the much better team. Jimmy Butler and the whole team looked fatigued. They ended up not getting Tyler Hero back, and it was just uh, sort of a disappointing way to end. A just wonderful 
uh, run from the Miami Heat. But at the same time, I think they outperformed everybody's expectations. And I couldn't be happier outside of a championship being a Miami Heat fan. Yes, I want to ask real quick. Like, uh, obviously, it was a great run. I think everyone that's an NBA fan, sports fan, can appreciate what they did as an eight seed. That, like you said, was three minutes away from losing to the Bulls in the play-in and not even making the playoffs at all. But, like, at one point in this run, did you really feel like the Heat had a chance to win it all and, like, do something special? Because I think, honestly, for me, it took a while for me to actually fully get on board and be like, this team could actually do it. Because, like, even they beat the Bucs, and I was like, that's a great upset, but I don't know. They don't, I'm not sure how legit this is. Like, I thought the Knicks were going to beat the Heat in round two just because I thought the Knicks were a deeper team with all the injuries, like you said. And then they beat Boston, and that's when I sort of started believing. But even in that series, when they almost fell apart, I, I had second thoughts about that. Uh, you know, I sort of went through the same up and downs as you. I do feel like when we went up, or when Miami went up 3-1 after that would have been Jimmy going for 56, I'm like, I don't know if he can do that again. I don't know if the team can perform as well um, as we just did. Going back to Milwaukee, you know, you expect Milwaukee to just run through the heat, blow them out. Um, but going up 3-1, you just know what that means and how many teams fail to come back from 3-1 even though our team was a little banged up and Giannis was coming back, I was I was very optimistic at that point because if you beat the one seed, then you then sort of take their side of the bracket and going against the Knicks in that next round, even though the Knicks were the betting favorite, I felt like they were beatable. And then once you win two series and you beat the defending champions, I would, you know, I thought, you know, if we could, if we can get to the Knicks, we could maybe beat the Knicks and, who knows what could happen at that point. And I would say after Jimmy's 56, I was, I was starting to get a little like, wow, this is, this might be a pretty, a pretty good run here, but still no one could have ever expected the, the, the run we ended up going, going to the finals and beating Boston on their home floor just to, to get there. And I'm not sure, Jack, when you were watching, what moment for you solidified uh, in your head that the Heat had a legitimate uh, title chances? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say it was probably when they beat the Bucks, and you just realized that they're going to play the Knicks, which was still a hard series. But, you know, I think, you know, seeing that they kind of had that uh, one seed side of the bracket now, um, at, you know, they really had a, a decent chance. But once we got to the finals and, uh, you know, just seeing how dominant the Nuggets seemed to be throughout the playoffs, I think it was it was sort of a, a, an uphill battle. But once they took game two and it was one to one, I really honestly had a real moment where I was like, wow, they actually, could win the title but of course uh they didn't but I think it was still a huge win for the organization I think it was a huge win for Butler I think he now catapulted himself within possibly the top 100 players of all time not that I would really go and dispute you know which specifically those 100 players would be but uh I think he's definitely in that stratosphere now and you know you look at his resume it's Miami Heat and it's pretty incredible two finals appearances game seven in conference finals um, and obviously one first round exit I think uh I'm very impressed I think it's hard to be super disappointed knowing you know the seed you were in the position that you were in that you maybe shouldn't have been in so I mean I did think that had a decent chance but obviously uh it played out the way it did but I'm still very impressed yeah I mean this heat team I think definitely at the end of the day it was an overachievement like this was not how well this team was supposed to perform but I do think them doing this well does do a lot for the organization obviously a good run 
is always a good thing. But I think particularly for the Heat, like contrast to like Atlanta maybe making the conference finals a couple of years ago, it kind of I think escalated their timeline where it was like they made some moves that maybe they gave up too many assets and they kind of screwed themselves for the future when they could have had a good core to build around. I think for Miami with Jimmy Butler being, I don't know how old he is, like 34 around there-ish. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, so I think this will give them the opportunity to still feel like they can win now with Jimmy Butler. And I think going all in for a push, which we can talk about in a second, is something that is now on the table. And I think prior to this playoff run, like had they lost in the play-in or even just lost to the Bucs in what, however many games, whatever, I think you probably would have seen this team head in the direction of a rebuild. So I think for Heat fans and all that, it's going to be a much more exciting time going forward. And we can talk about what they're going to do in the offseason in a minute. But before we move on to the offseason, I want to give Denver some credit. And I think we all said they were pretty dominant throughout this playoff run. Like, uh, really, in any of their series, they're never, they never really felt like they were going to lose at all. I mean, obviously, they handled round one easily. Phoenix went six. But again, you never really felt like they were not dominating that series. It kind of took everything from Devin Booker and KD for them to will the Suns to a couple of wins. And then they swept the Lakers and then beat Miami in five. So I want to ask you guys, where do you guys rank, I guess, Denver's championship run? We'll say amongst the last five champions. So we got the Raptors, Lakers, Warriors, Bucks, Nuggets. I would say it's got to be amongst the uh, the top. I'm not sure if you put them one or two exactly. I know a lot of people are talking about the fact that Denver played three play-in teams, and that is true. They ended up – that's just sort of the way things ended up going, but that's not their fault. They ended up getting the one seed. You earn the right to, to play, theoretically, the worst competition, uh, at least to start the playoffs and – you know, it's not like I said, it's out of their control that on the other side of the bracket, the eight seed ended up going that far or that the Lakers ended up going to the conference finals and they just all they can do is beat who's in front of them. But I do feel like they are a very well coached, dominant team that even if you stacked them against any of those other championship teams, you know, they would really be able to hold their own. Um, but yeah, I don't know exactly where you put them one or two. Jack, what do you think in terms of uh, that list? Well, you know, I saw a stat that they actually were, I think, one of only two teams in the last 15 years to lose four total playoff games uh, or less. And I think the other team was the 2017 Warriors. And uh, so, I mean, if you look at that, I don't think we're going to look back in 20 years and be super impressed by Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. I mean, they're, they're really good players unless their career paths change. Their profile is like really quality starters, nothing crazy. Murray probably wound up being an all-star uh, to some level or I'm not sure how many times, but um, you know, but you'll look back and you'll say, wow, this team really dominated and you could pick apart their playoff run. I think you do that with almost any team in terms of who they play and injuries and all that stuff. So, I mean, if you look at just the last 15 years, last five years, they, they look like uh, just on paper, with the win loss record, they were pretty dang dominant. So I, I would probably put them near the top of that list. And, you know, you might take them over, uh, you know, if they were going head to head with some of these other champions, uh, you know, 21 bucks or the 2019 Raptors, you know, you might take them over them. So, and I'm, I think uh, Jokic is a big part of that. You know, he has this, uh, all-time resume you know he's starting to build his uh his resume for being one of the better centers of all time which is obviously hard especially that position so you know he's an all-time great and I think uh that team is definitely an all-time or at least within the past 10-15 years 
Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think, I mean, obviously, yeah, you can point to they played an eight seed, a five seed, or four seed, and then a seven and another eight. But there's only, I mean, that's out of their control. And like you said, they were the one seed there. They earned the right to play the easier teams early on. And the way the bracket broke down is just it's out of your control. You can only beat who's in front of you. And I think, honestly, this Denver team, especially compared to those last five years, where I think this recent era, there's been a lot more parity in the NBA since all those Cavs and Warriors years, especially the KD Warriors years. But I think you put them head-to-head, like you said, Jack. I think they beat the Warriors last year. I think this is a better team than that. I think they probably beat the Bucs. Um, the Lakers, I think, would be a good series. Obviously, well, they swept the Lakers this year, which was the same two stars, but the whole all the role players were pretty much different. And it's a younger LeBron and Anthony Davis. But I think they beat the Raptors as well. I think they have a solid claim to be one of the best championship teams in the last handful of years. And I think they definitely have the possibility to break this series of parity and go back to back, could even win three in a row if they're able to keep this core together. So I also want to ask, what is the next step for Denver to keep this core together? And how do they maintain their, I guess, spot atop the NBA? Because they are the Vegas favorite going in next year. And I think most people would agree they are the most likely team to win next year. But obviously, a lot can change. Well, I'm curious how they pivot. I, I know Jokic is such a fun player to to be around. You know, and I would imagine that you feel like you're going to get the most opportunities to be successful as a role player when you're with him. Uh, so kind of like maybe the Warriors, how they end up getting a bunch of uh, solid role players throughout the years, knowing that the gravity of Steph Curry and the quality of, of the coaching and everyone, you know, they're going to get the best opportunities. So I think over the course of this offseason and maybe next year as well, I, you know, I'm curious if they get some of those higher quality role players at discounts knowing that those role players want to get a ring and uh, maybe try to work their way towards a bigger contract, knowing that Jokic will set them up well. And so I think that could be the next step for them is, you know, they got the Bruce Browns, they got the KCPs, a couple of really nice role players, but maybe they can even take it further and get a few more uh, quality players. You know, maybe they won't have a hole at their backup center spot because they'll get someone else that's you know, even better because, uh, you know, they know that they'll get them to nice minutes and, you know, really get to show off their, their value with the Nuggets. So, I mean, I think you're 100% right. They are the favorites. Uh, they should be. And uh, I would imagine that, you know, a lot of players will now look at Denver differently uh, as a destination to to go. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think if you look at that roster, how many guys on that team are going to regress? How many guys on that team are going to be worse next year? Like, I'm expecting, fully expecting Jamal Murray to be better next year or the same. I'm fully expecting Jokic to be the same guy. Aaron Gordon, still a, a younger guy, even though he's becoming a veteran. He'll probably be the same player next year. Bruce Brown, Michael Porter Jr. They have a very young team, so it almost feels like they're getting better. I mean, you look at a guy like Jeff Green or something like that. You know, he's getting older. Some of the role players, DeAndre Jordan, they won't have, but he played like three minutes the entire finals. I think most of that team is going to be the same or better next year. Now, if you're Denver, how do they pivot and try to improve? Well, I think the improvement will just be Michael Porter Jr., if they do get to the finals next year, hope that everyone performs the same and hope that MPJ plays a little bit better because for the most part, he was disappointing in that series, yet they still sort of steamrolled the heat. Um, but at the same time, you could look at it, hey, we got lucky with the bracket. We did end up winning a championship. We we played some some 
some teams that weren't great. They ended up playing this Heat team. Uh, Jimmy Butler looked fatigued or hurt. Uh, they went to Game 7 with, with Boston, uh, didn't have any rest, and it still almost won six games. But And you can just say, oh, well, maybe we should make some improvements. But really, I, I don't think so. I think, I think if they run it back next year, they should be the favorites. They do have enough. Um, and I think Michael Porter Jr. Will, will get to be a little more consistent. And Gordon is starting to really feel himself as that that defensive guru guy on that team. He's like a, a P.J. Tucker, but on steroids because he's like very athletic. And he showed in, in the Heat series that he could he could knock down that three when when you leave him open. And he's been doing that for a couple of years now. So how do they pivot? I think they just run it back. And if they need to tweak some things at the the all uh, the trade deadline, then they can do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their, like, contract situation right now. I mean, they have Jokic, Murray, Porter, Gordon, KCP, and Christian Brown all under contract for at least next year, most of them two two or three years into the future. I mean, Jokic just signed his extension, so he's there another, like, five years. But the core is definitely going to be there. It's really just a matter of if they can – with the salary they have left, with the right role players around them. And obviously that's difficult because they're pretty much paying one, two, three, three max guys and Gordon's getting another 20 million. So it's, they're definitely constrained to pretty much their mid-level exception in that minimum type contracts. But I think with that core and obviously now winning a championship, they will have players that are willing to take a pay cut to come play there. And whether that is Bruce Brown coming back who I'm not sure. I mean, he played really well, so I'm sure someone will offer him probably more money elsewhere. And if I'm Bruce Brown, I might just take it because I don't think Bruce Brown's gotten any type of big NBA payday in his career though so far. But I definitely think they're going to have options of vets that are going to want to come there and fill in the holes to continue making them the best team in the league. And I think, like you said, they're a super young team. I mean, Jokic is 28, Gordon's 27, but Murray's still 26. Michael Porter Jr. is still young. Like, this is a team that has a chance to still grow and get better for the next handful of years. But, yeah, um, we can also move on to Miami. Obviously, an interesting offseason for them ahead. Like we were saying earlier, they have maybe overachieved. Maybe they didn't. But I think Miami has made it clear that they're going to be in win now mode at this point and they don't have the biggest asset pool in the nba obviously they have taylor harrow as one of their good young players and not that many other great young players outside of hero but i believe they have most of their draft capital i think i was looking the other day they had one protected pick so they kind of have to work around that but besides that they own the rest of their draft picks so it should be interesting uh there was rumored that they're going to go star hunting so i wanted to ask you guys What's like your best case scenario for Miami? What's like medium and what's a disaster offseason for Miami moving forward? Uh, I'll start us off. Uh, I'll just say what would be the dream scenario if you're a Heat fan? Well, I think starting off, you got to keep some of the, the free agent, younger talent that they have. Struess is a free agent. Abe Vincent is a free agent. If you can somehow get those guys back on deals that are reasonable, I think that's where you start. I think you do look at Tyler Hero as a guy that was not a part of this run at all, even though he he is one of our best or our best young player. 
You look at him and you say, maybe we can move him for something else. You look at Kyle Lowry's expiring deal. You look at Duncan Robinson's big contract, and you might look at all those those guys and say, can we move them for something else for an upgrade? And there are rumors that they're going to go star hunting, but it only appears that Bradley Beal is the guy that really, you know, the free agent class isn't amazing. Bradley Beal uh, apparently is meeting with teams that he's interested in, and I guess he's only doing that because he got that no trade clause and can sort of dictate where he can go. And if he wanted to force his way to a destination, he can kind of do that. Um, but so I guess what would be the dream is if they if they could bring back some some of the guys that are free agents, they bring back Love, they bring back Struess, they they bring back Vincent, and they find a way to um, keep Hero and use their picks and Kyle Lowry's contract and Duncan Robinson's contract to try and land a Bradley Beal or or they get Damian Lillard, or I mean, I guess the dream scenario would be both, but that's that's very, 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 very unlikely. But I guess getting one of those players and trying not to trying to keep most of your assets while doing so, um, or some assets, um, I think you really can uh, be a competitive team next year. And I think the trio of Lillard, Butler, and Bam, if you could pull that off, just for example, I think all of a sudden you now have the best trio in the league I would put it up there with Phoenix if, uh, and Milwaukee and whoever else I mean I, th- I really think that would be and I guess Denver I think that would be the t- one of the one of the teams with the best big threes uh, in the league and uh, and then you still got uh, and you still got one of the best coaches in the league behind him so and you know, they're so good with finding talent I'm and you know, hopefully you would still have Martin you'd still have a guy like Kevin Love even if you lost Vincent and or Struess so I think you could find a way. So that would be the dream scenario. You, you you go star hunting, you get a dame, and you're still able to bring back um, some of the free agents on smaller deals. Um, or you can just do some little improvements, like getting a Christian Wood, filling in the gaps on the roster. You know, But I don't mind the idea of getting rid of Tyler Hero so long as it meant getting back a very good player in return. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they get rid of Hero unless they – are getting a Damien Lillard, Bradley Beal type player. But my question for you is like, how would you feel if they, I guess they strike out on Lillard, Lillard says he doesn't want to leave or they trade him elsewhere. Um, Bradley Beal goes elsewhere. Like, how would you feel about a Zach Levine, I guess, kind of C-tier type player moving? And maybe you don't give as much. Like maybe it's just like a, basically a hero for Levine swap or, Maybe you keep Hero and it's Duncan Robinson and some picks for Zach Levine, that type of a deal of that nature, I guess. How would you feel about that for Miami? I mean, just for the – I feel like that, that wouldn't be terrible, but I do feel like Hero does have sort of an upward trajectory to his career. So if he's being traded for a guy like – even for a guy like Bradley Beal, I, I question if that's a good move. You look at what Bradley Beal was doing at Hero's age and – Hero's sort of outperforming that bar that was set by Beal, and with Beal theoretically only getting worse and Hero getting better, I feel like you have to consider how much do we really want to give up for Bradley Beal? Do you want, if it's just a one for one swap, um, that's one thing, but you start adding in some other assets, it starts to get a little tough. So when you mention a, a guy like Zach Levine, uh, a shot chucker who's never won anything in his fucking life, Took him eight years to win four games in a row. 
I mean, do I want him on the Heat? I don't know. Um, no, I'm just messing around. Zach Levine, hometown, hometown, a Chicago Bull, so can't can't hate him. But no, I do think he's got some flaws in his game, and unless you're just trying to mix it up, um, I don't know if we get that much better by getting your Zach Levine, but because he he's just another one of those guys that I, I just wouldn't trust. So I mean, I think the reason you would get rid of a hero is to get sort of a uh, a bona fide star that that you know what you're getting every single night. They're not going to be too inconsistent, even though obviously there are game to game struggles for everybody. I think that uh, I, I don't know. I don't know my thoughts about that. I think I just I would have to think about that. But I do think if you're just if you're just trying to change things up, you know you can do that. But I think you really have to try to to get somebody that would be considerably better than uh, a Tyler Hero, which the only guy I think of is is Damian Lillard, but there's reports that the Portland's not going in that direction. But if you could somehow pull that off, that that's where I would go. Because then, then you, you wouldn't feel as bad about losing uh, the potential of Tyler Hero because he, he is becoming a better player. So uh, those are my thoughts on that. Jack, what do you think about um, the idea of just kind of switching things up and getting someone who – might be slightly better than Hero at the moment, but not not that much better, in my opinion. I mean, I'll, I'll try to keep it pretty quick. I, I think the Heat, you know, if they can go and get a Damian Lillard, I think you have to do it. I think if you can get like Bradley Beal, you think about it depending on the price. And if you end up with an offseason that gets you like a, a Russell Westbrook and a Christian Wood, I think you'd probably be pretty disappointed. Their Heat culture, you know, it might sound cheesy, but they they definitely find a way to get talented players in there. And you know, I I would think that they would be better off not getting flawed players uh, like a, like a Christian Wood or a, a Westbrook or, or even like a Levine uh, who's obviously really good, but flawed in some ways, I think they're better off keeping what they have, seeing if Hero can develop, see if they can just resign the Vincents and the Struces of the world that they've developed themselves uh, and, uh, you know, keep just hammering away and seeing if they can add pieces on the periphery, you know, smaller pieces um, like like a Bruce Brown, but obviously, you know, a different version of him, like another quality player. Um, but, you know, I, I wouldn't go too crazy. I almost think if you can't get the best of the best, like a Dame Lillard, like I think you got to just kind of stick with what's made you successful, you know? I mean, they've been to the finals two times in the last four years just by kind of betting on the, the guys that they've drafted and getting guys yeah. that fit their, their system and culture. I don't love culture. that idea of just running it back because I do feel like, I don't know if there was there's not luck involved with the run that we had this year, but I do feel like we overachieved. And even though I'm, I believe in our team, I believe in the Heat. I don't think that uh, if they if they ran it back next year, I if I had to bet on it, I wouldn't say that they're going to go all the way back. So, um, but with so with that said, I think you do have to make you have to get somebody up to change something. So that's why I could talk myself into just sort of doing some star swapping with hero if you want to call him a star but for for a slight upgrade for a beal for a levine for for someone in that realm but like but would, said, a, would a chris middleton for hero for example i mean i don't think that really makes the heat much better right i mean i am not saying you know mention him but even even a bradley beal you know what's the difference from from hero to beal especially when beals can be on a supermax deal and heroes on um expensive deal but not as expensive but you know i don't know that might actually hurt them just with the cap difference and, and Beal being only, you know, 10%, 15% better as a player. I don't know if that really helps I guess either. it's more just in the if you look deep into the playoffs, 
you look into the future, who do you trust as a defender? Who do you trust as a scorer in those big moments? But Beal's not a guy who's been a winner either, really, in the league. And that's not really his fault. He hasn't had some great teams put around him. Him and Wall had some success in the playoffs um, in terms of at least getting there a few times. But I don't know. I really don't know what that does for you. But, I, I mean, you would be better, but how much better? Is it worth it? So that's why – and I think just because you do have some draft capital capital, and you do have some salary that's tied up in other players, I do feel like you can uh, – you, you can maybe arrange that deal without getting rid of Hero. And that's why everyone's sort of talking about how they can somehow land Dame as well. And you, I guess you use Hero in that package. That seems very unlikely, but I do feel like you could use Hero for, for somebody else, even if it's not Dame, and still get Beal um, without giving up Hero because he can sort of force his way out. You could still give up a little bit of draft capital. We do have, a, like a Caleb Martin, for example, is a guy who's a very young good player who's locked up on a contract, but he's, he's on a small contract. I believe before the last season, he signed a, a three-year $20 million deal. I'm sure he's a guy that a lot of teams might want after his uh, terrific run. But at the same time, his his salary is, he's probably being underpaid. So who can you get that would be able to match with that? It would be tricky and I'm not sure, but I just, I'm not sure exactly what the, uh, what the direction they should go in in terms of do you just if you don't get a big fish, do you do you just wait? I mean, I feel like Jimmy Butler has earned the team's trust in terms of going out and getting a player that can really help. They haven't really done that. They got Oladipo, they got Lowry, two guys that were on the radar, but they haven't gone out and got that big free agent while Jimmy's been there. And with him being he'll be thirty four next season, I would say next season and maybe the following would be his last chances to win in his in the peak of his prime. I mean, if he's not, if he's not declining already, which I don't think he is, but if, you know, he's around that age where I think when he gets to 34, 35, that's pretty much it. You know, I think, I think Durant, Durant's 34 and he's still, I would say in his prime. So um, I could say, I could say Jimmy has next year and the following, but after that, I think he, he would be sort of on the decline, but you never know. I, th- I don't know how, how his game will translate as he gets older, but don't even want to think about that. I just think, uh, the gap is not that that large to to do something here. So I think this summer they got to do something or, yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I think, like you said, it wasn't a, a fluke run that they made the finals. Like I think they proved that they deserve to make the finals. But I think if this team gets complacent and doesn't make a move, I have a very hard time seeing them getting back to that place or even – I'm not even sure to the conference finals if Milwaukee, Philly, Boston are all healthy going into next year. But the Bradley Beal situation is interesting because obviously he's kind of been a name that I feel like it's been thrown around with a lot of disrespect the last couple of years as he's pretty much been on a losing team since, I don't know, last however many years since like John Wall left. Uh, I think they're okay the one year Westbrook was there, but mm-hmm. he, he hasn't played winning basketball in a long time. So I think He's kind of been discredited as a player, but I do think whether he's a huge upgrade or not, I think he's definitely an upgrade to Tyler Hero, just because, like you said, Jimmy's window isn't huge. And I think getting a guy like Beal, who you know can be a scorer, and especially like seeing how that those last couple of games, last couple of series went for Miami, where Jimmy kind of just got gassed. And I think having another like 
just pure scorer just to kind of alleviate some of that pressure down the stretch in games would be huge for them. And that was a piece they were missing. And maybe Tyler Hero can be that guy eventually. I'm just not sure at this point if you can count on that. And like you said, the window of this team not that being that big, I think you'd rather have a sure thing if you can. My only thing was if you're not getting Damian Lillard, you're not getting like a A-tier star player, then you don't want to give up the whole farm of draft capital. And I think that's where the predicament kind of comes, where you've seen like guys like Rudy Gobert and other stars in that realm all get a haul of four plus first round draft picks back. So I'm not sure where exactly the market is, but I think at the right price, I think a gamble on a Bradley Beal upgrade is definitely worth it for Miami. But I do think that if you if you're Pat Riley and you look at this team and you say the core of Bam, Jimmy, and Hero has got you two finals appearances and a Game 7 conference finals appearance. And even the the year that they didn't get there, they still made the playoffs. And that was after that short offseason. And he, he might say, hey, you know what? Jimmy and Bam and Hero are still going to make this team competitive. Hero and Bam are only getting better. You add Martin to that equation as another guy who's locked up for a little bit. And I'm not saying run it back completely, but he, he might. they may say, why would we give up draft capital? We're only getting better. I mean, I think they owe it to Jimmy personally to go out and get somebody because of his play over the last couple of years and just overachieving year after year after year. But at the same time, I think they may be slightly hesitant to do that because they do have a guy like Bam. Jimmy's window and that, that core with Jimmy, the window is not large. But the window of that team in terms of Spolstra still a young coach-ish, you know, Bam's still a younger player who's locked up. Hero's still young. So maybe you say, you know, we're just going to we're gonna have these guys for the next 10 years. What's the big rush now? So I don't know. I mean, I think, I think they should go out and try to win with Jimmy now because I think they've shown that they could get almost over that hump, but they just need probably that one other guy. But you could just say, Maybe if Hero was playing in the finals, maybe they would have gotten over the hump. But hard to say. And if, like I said, if they ran it back, would I expect them to get back to the finals next year? I probably wouldn't. So I think there are changes that need to be made. And I think Beal has shown that he is a reliable scorer year after year after year. And like you said, Hero may get to that point, but I think you get you get him a veteran scorer in Bradley Beal, who's, uh, like I said, probably a better defender. And could be more reliable in the playoffs. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe you take that gamble, but there is that, that big difference in the contract. Um, so maybe you say Hero's almost that player and uh, getting paid a lot less. Let's maybe go in a different direction and see if we can uh, move some other guys. But they don't have a whole lot of options if you don't move Hero in terms of getting another good player. That would be better than Bradley Beal. So very, very difficult situation that they're in. Jack, your thoughts? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think I kind of expressed my thoughts. I, I think theater uh, positioned uh, well, I mean, in terms of having a core that has proven it. I mean, they, they're better than a lot of teams. Um, obviously, going into this playoff run, I, I actually had them in a bio on my Blazers wish list. You know, they, they, they did a lot to sort of change the dynamic of their team going forward. I don't think they're going to rebuild whatsoever, um, you know, and, and blow it apart like I thought they could have had they had, you know, been bounced out of the playoffs or lost in the first round. And, uh, you know, I think they're positioned well to at least have options. You know, whatever happens, they have 
hero that they could move. They've proven to be successful. They got some all-star level players. So then whatever happens, they're, they're uh, positioned well to uh, pivot well from this. So, I mean, I- I'm curious what they do. The only time will tell, but they, uh, they certainly have the right GM and the right personnel to make those decisions. So I- I'm excited for them. So, well, what do you think? I know you mentioned the Blazers wish list. I'm not sure what that exactly means, but now I think it's a good time to pivot towards because we talked about Dame a little bit, and we've talked about we've already talked about what the uh, the Heat and the Nuggets should do. You being an avid Blazers fan, and with the Blazers arguably being one of the more interesting uh, teams right now, just in terms of the fact that they have some veterans on their team, they have some really good young players. Dame looks like he could be dealt, but there's other reports saying that they're going to go in a different direction and they're going to keep him. They have the third pick, so they can't really dictate the draft in terms of like they really probably wish they had the second pick right now because it looks like a lot of different teams want Scoot and they want that guarantee. So they want that second pick, but they still have a really high pick. Uh, The third pick is still very, very valuable. And nobody knows exactly what they're going to do with it. So they're, they're a very interesting team. You being a Blazers fan, what are your thoughts on how they should handle the, the offseason in, in a perfect world? Well, in a perfect world, they would uh, be able to draft a guy like Scoot Henderson and, and move him for, uh, a, you know, maybe someone like a Brandon Ingram, a Zion Williamson, or they'd be able to move that third pick for someone like a Jalen Brown uh, in addition to uh, Jeremy Grant with a signing trade or an Anthony Simons. But I think those are all pretty unrealistic. I mean, you look at the the reports coming out. I think Scoot is probably a favorite to go number two. And so the Hornets do control that part of the draft. Either they can just take him or they can move him for a quality player. So I, I really don't think they have a, a great chance at any of those those players, especially even like a Jalen Brown. I don't know why the Celtics would move him, despite all the rumors about it. So I think if you're them, you, you still might try to look and see what the best trade available is, see if you can get. Uh, Pascal Siakam or get someone else that's a hard level, you know, all-star player for that pick, or, you know, you could, you could pick a guy like Brandon Miller, whoever you like at three. My, my guess is Brandon Miller, just in terms of uh, Vegas odds to go number three and uh, see if you can maneuver in the off season, maybe do a sign and trade with uh, uh, Jeremy Grant or, you know, or try to trade Simons for someone, try to retool the roster in a way that you think gives them a good chance for this upcoming year but would let you pivot, you know, at the trade deadline, if you find out that, all right, this team is really not successful, we can finally trade Dame. And we have, you know, whoever we picked at three and, and, and she and sharp, you know, to really build around. But I, I really think they have uh, a really interesting situation on their hands. I saw the news report about um, from Windhorse saying that they don't want to trade Dame, which is encouraging as a guy wants to see them win. So um, I'm, I'm hoping they retool. I'm hoping they explore trading pretty much everybody with the exception of Dame and, uh, I would say Shaden Sharp. I really like him as a player, and I'm open to all all opportunities, you know. But I, I think it's going to be hard because those those premier players like Zion or Brandon Ingram or Jalen Brown, um, I, I don't know if they're really as available as the the Blazers Twitter might say that they are, for example. So uh, I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on what they should do as a team. I think Nate, you expressed being interested in them blowing it up and trading Dame. So I'm curious if you've changed your mind on that at all. No, I think they have to blow it up. I think. Just based on the reports and the rumors that I've heard, I'm just not sure they're able to land a player for that number three pick that moves the needle enough for them to be in the championship contending tier. I mean, obviously, I think you're at a very rare place in the NBA where you have 
a star player like Dame is probably still a top 10 player, if not very close to it. And also having a, a top three pick in a draft that I think pretty much everyone agrees. Obviously, Wemby, people would say he's in a tier of his own, but I think Scoot Henderson and even Brendan Miller could have an argument to be a number one pick in most of the recent draft classes that we've had, just based on talent alone. And I think that obviously makes you an interesting place where you could get a huge haul back for that number three pick. And, or you could flip the, or you could take it and get one of those great prospects and build around. Obviously they have a decent young core with, like you said, Sharp and Pretty Simons. And that's like a solid start to a team. But then if you're starting that core, I don't think you can have that with Dame and coexist and contend. And then at that point, if you have that core with Dame, I'm not sure why you have Damian Lillard when you could trade him and just move the rebuild forward, get more younger assets, and hit a total reset. But I think if you trade that pick, the question becomes, can you put a championship team around Dame? And that's obviously been the question they've had for a long time. And they've had a couple of years, I guess, when they back when they had like LaMarcus Aldridge, where they were solid. I mean, they made one Western Conference Finals run but they haven't particularly been that close in Dame's career to making a championship, making the finals at all. So I think if you're making a trade with that number three pick, which like I said, is an asset that doesn't come around often, you will have to make a trade that makes you a championship contender. And I'm just worried there aren't going to be trades on the market that do so. Cause like you said, Siakam could be interesting. Obviously I think Siakam is an upgrade, but do you think a team of, Damian Lillard, Pascal Siakam, and I don't know, whoever the heap of Sharp or Simons is a championship team, I think pretty much most people would say no. And obviously, I'm not, not saying that's the only move you could make, but I'm not sure there's going to be a market there for Jeremy Grant or the rest, unless they just flip every young talent for vets, which I'm obviously they could do, but... I don't know. Uh, my worry is they're too far away from contending with the roster that they have that you're just going to end up giving up too much, too many good assets, too many good young players, and still could ultimately come up short. And I think the long-term vision of a rebuild, yeah, it sucks as a Blazers fan. And I'm in Portland right now, and everyone wants to keep Dame because he's just he's been their guy for so long. He's been loyal to the team. I just think for long-term success, the easier path is blowing it up. I think for me, I think it really all just depends on what you can get for the assets that you have. How much do other teams value a guy like Simons, even a guy like Nurk? How much do teams value that pick that they have? If you told me you can get a guy like Jalen Brown, pair him with Damian Lillard, maybe even a guy like a Peyton Pritchard. And if if you told me you could get those guys, <laughs> maybe uh, it, it could work out. It just... Do you believe, if you're the Blazers, that a Damian Lillard-led team could get you to the finals? Do you believe that a Damian Lillard-led team could win you a championship, being that Dame's the best player? How far can you go with Nurkic as your starting center? Even though I love the guy, I don't know. You know, I feel like they need some some upgrades. You know, they got Jeremy Grant. I believe he's a free agent. Can you bring him back? Can you get – I mean, if you told me they had a, a team of Dame – a guy like Jalen Brown, and they were able to upgrade their their center and maybe keep Grant. And then you told me that Sharp had a huge sophomore season. Would would I 
what I think that maybe that would that would work out getting rid of their getting rid of Simons and and their pick. I mean, if you really want to be competitive with Dame, it's not a bad idea. But like, how many times are they going to run it back? Dame's only getting older. Not that I think he's declining, but he's only getting older. And it's like, why don't you just get a haul for Dame? You already have the number three pick. Just use the number three pick to pick, uh, you know, a good young player, and and just go from there. And you'll you'll get a ton of picks from Dame. Simons is still young. Sharp is still young. You get off Nurkic. Uh, you could still bring back Grant because I think he's young enough. If he comes back on a reasonable deal, you could still be a competitive team that actually has some real aspirations in the future because of the amount of young talent they they have. They turn into like an OKC because they're going to have a ton of good young players. And I feel like that's just so much easier to understand than saying, you know, we're going to keep Dame. And a lot of the decisions they've made over the past few years have been absolutely odd. And it's the only way I can describe them because I don't know what they did with the whole McCollum thing. At this point, they, they would have been more competitive last year if they would have kept CJ. You know, they had Powell for a little bit. They gave up some assets didn't really get much when they got rid of him i mean jack knows more than anybody just the kind of weird moves that they've made i think at some point you just have to say i mean dame is a is a really 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 good player he's a top 75 player if i remember correctly but at the same time i don't know if he's like like right now is he a top three player in the league no it's like so you can move off of him and still get a ton back because he's still in his prime and call it a day and have a lot to look forward to in the future as opposed to trying to construct this team because they have so many holes in their team. So they would have to make so many different moves just to get to to a point where it's like, okay, yeah, they're they're a top five team in the league. I mean, what makes them better than Denver? I mean, how much do they have to do? They probably have to get two star players next to Dame and then a bunch of veterans just to say that they're on that level. So I just think there's so much work to be done to get there. Now, is there a lot of work to be done to get to the point of just being really competitive? No, but is that what they want? I mean, I, I don't know. I think I'm I'm with Nate here. I think you have to blow it up just because I think they have so much that they would have to do to get to the point of really being a championship contender. So, how would you guys feel about? Um, a Zion trade because that was a rumor that was really interesting just because obviously Zion hasn't been able to stay on the court lately last couple of years now has the whole off the court drama with whatever his deal is we don't need to discuss that here but I think Zion would be at least interesting just because of how high upside of a guy he is so I want to ask I mean one how realistic do you think it is that Zion gets moved by the Pelicans this offseason whether that's to Portland or elsewhere and two, how do you think you would like? Do you think that is a trade that, would, especially for you, Jack? Like, is that a trade that you think would elevate them enough? Like, would you rather go for a high upside guy like Zion, or would you rather get a good but like you know what they are and like a Pascal Siakam, um, that type of player? Well, I, I gotta say, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure the likelihood of him getting traded. Uh, I think if we somehow were in the position to pick Scoot. Uh, and the, the reports keep coming in that they the Pelicans love Scoot, then maybe we would have that opportunity. Maybe if you moved Simons and uh, and that third pick, and maybe even something else. And I think that would be the type of swing that at least makes sense. Right? I mean, you, you know, Siakam's a good player. 
Uh, but And, you know, a lot of these guys are good players, even to Brandon Ingram. But Zion Williamson did show that when healthy, he could be that all-NBA, maybe even first-team type guy. And so I think when you're talking about how do they compete with these other teams, you know, you have Dame, who's made all-NBA first-team before, is obviously, you know, probably in the top 10, top 12 players. Zion, when healthy, could be up there as well. And that's at least enough to get you excited about having two guys that are, you know, potentially championship level guys, obviously neither have done it, but I think that's the type of swing that makes the most sense. I, I think similar to my take on the heat where if they couldn't get the top of the top in terms of free agents, maybe, you know, play it more safe. I think if you're the the Blazers, if you can't get, you know, like a Jalen Brown who made all NBA or, or Zion Williamson, then maybe it's worth just blowing it up completely because I don't think it's really gonna be super exciting trying to trade for, you know, players that are like, uh, like an OG Ananobi, for example, who's a great player. But, you know, that's not going to bring you over the top unless you already had, you know, two other stars. So I, I think that'd be like perf- the perfect trade in terms of taking a chance. And I think even if he were to, you know, get hurt, I think you, you at least showed that you're trying to get a guy that could change your franchise forever. And he's young enough where you could actually try to pivot into him uh, if he were to be a blazer, you know, and, and for the long term, you, you could at least uh, point to him as your next guy and, and pass the torch to him. And I think if you're the, the Pelicans, for example, and you got the third pick and Simons and Sharp. I don't know how much you value those guys. And obviously it partially depends on if you can get Scoot, but that might not be the worst thing for them either because then they'd be able to get, let's pretend a Scoot Henderson and they would have a lot of uh, a lot of assets. Then, and then they could maybe flip, you know, the likes of uh, a Simons or whatever and see if they can keep rebuilding. I mean, they got a lot of talent on that roster. So, I mean, I think that'd be worth it. But otherwise, uh, you know, if, if you're the Blazers, maybe uh, – Maybe maybe blow it up, you know. Maybe that's the right move if you can't get someone that's really like all NBA first team potential. I'm not sure if you guys have any any thoughts on that. I think a Zion trade actually wouldn't be that crazy because obviously he's still what 22 and he was two time All Star at this point, at least one time All Star, and obviously has all NBA potential. I think that's clear, but I just think given the situation where it sounds like there's some sort of fractured relationship. Obviously, like, he hasn't been playing, and he was even at the end of last year. Like, it was reported he was healthy. He just didn't want to, like, mess up the team chemistry and join at the end of the year. But, like, you're supposed to be the best player. So, it's, like, it's not, like, like in Miami with Hero not coming back. Like, maybe he could have forced himself back in the finals. But, like, he didn't want to, like, have to ease into it and mess up what they had going, which is obviously a great thing. But, like, this was a team that had not had a lot of success and he's supposed to be the pace of the team. Like if you're healthy, you should be playing. So there's something weird going on there. And I think given their cap situation where they already have McCollum and Ingram on max contracts, and then next year Zion's uh, rookie extension kicks in. That's a team with very little flexibility moving forward with three max guys, essentially locked up. I think if you can trade that for, especially to Portland where you could get a Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller on their rookie skill deal, that could give you more options moving forward. And I'm not saying that's likely, but I'm saying I think it's definitely something that we will genuinely explore, especially if the relationship is as fractured as the reports are saying. But obviously, yeah, I don't know how true that is. But I think Zion's the the golden banana here. And I think that as a guy that has struggled with, with, with weight issues, and that's really been, I think, his main thing. And I can relate to that as a guy that walks around at 210, 215, but really my playing weight, should be closer to 205, 207. Uh, I, I know what he's going through, and I know the setbacks that he faces. Just listen, I'm a food lover myself. 
But at the same time, he has shown that when he has it under control, because I think it happens in spurts, just like myself, he can show that he can really be a top player in this league. I mean, how dominant has he been when he's actually been on the court? So I think you're willing to take that risk if you're if you're the Blazers or any other team saying, hey, if this guy's healthy, we have a top 10 player here and we just need the right culture, the right staff to motivate him to get into shape and to. And I think that leads to the knee injuries and everything. I think that's the stem and the root of all of his problems. And I think. I think that's where you start, and I think that's why you could be you could be very willing to to move on to him and to try him out. And then if you're. The Pelicans, I think, like you said, there's probably a fractured relationship there, and it would give them a chance to reset with a top pick. So I think that could make sense for for a couple different uh, reasons there, and it would give Zion a fresh start. And um, like I said, he's a guy who, when healthy, could really be a top star in this league, as he has shown. You say he's already been an All Star, and when he was playing, was was breaking records um, left and right. It was like he's the youngest player to do this, youngest player to do that, and uh, I think that could be a very intriguing deal for a lot of teams, but certainly uh, the Blazers in particular. Yeah, I will say the food scene in Portland is pretty good. So, like, maybe it's not the best place for Zion. I don't know. I'm sure you could figure it out. They actually have a lot of vegan food. So, like, that could be an interesting diet for him to test it out. You know, mm-hmm. vegan Zion could be the – that could be the MVP candidate. We won't know until he tries it. But I definitely think it'll be interesting. I think New Orleans also is a team that they've kind of – been pushing to contend but like you said like zion hasn't been on the court so they're not going to contend with him not playing so they're definitely a team to monitor and i just wanted to ask before we move on to free agency and then draft a little bit is there any other trade candidates that one either you'd like to see move or like a surprising guy that you could see getting flipped that hasn't really gotten talked about a ton jack you want to kick us off there yeah i mean uh one name that i've been thinking about um not really a super super premier player but technically an all-star last year i thought the Cavs last um this past year were, were good but i could see them trying to shift more towards focusing on evan mobley and having him at the center spot and i thought maybe jared allen uh could be available um i know there's some quality players kind of in that category maybe like clint capella with the, the hawks trying to move on from him and maybe trying to start on yeka kongu uh, those are just kind of some lower level guys that are obviously quality players that thought could be moved and I think it's a lot of the obvious ones. I mean, you know, the the Jalen Browns of the world that obviously have been floated around a bit um, that obviously, you know, in a normal world wouldn't be traded, but maybe do the circumstances are. But my, my sneaky pick to get traded as a quality player would probably be uh, Jared Allen. Yeah, I could totally see Jared Allen getting moved. I mean, I think the the two big thing worked in the regular season and then it kind of got exposed in the playoffs when – they basically just like did not have any like continuity. They basically didn't have more than three scorers on the court at a time in the playoffs. And I think that's just hard when you have two complete non-threats out there with, I guess, whoever, whenever they're playing like an Isaac Okora who couldn't really do much. And then Jared Allen on the floor at the same time, it was just a bit too one-dimensional. So I would not be surprised if they want to shift Mobley down to the five and maybe flip Allen to a team that needs a rim protector and get a good wing or at least like a three a better three and D guy than a and just another center that can kind of rim run and do what Jared Allen did, but maybe come off the bench in that type of role. And I think just stretch the floor a bit more. So I think that definitely could be an interesting trade. Um, Yeah. I mean, Cleveland's a weird team though, because obviously they're a young core too. I mean, they're, I think, 
I think kind of obviously they lost so early. They lost the Knicks in what five in the first round. But that's a team that mm-hmm. has a very good young core. I mean, I think Darius Garland, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley core is a core that could be a championship contender, especially if Mobley can take a few steps forward. And they're a team that really hasn't gotten talked about, but they're a team that maybe are one or two good moves away from really being in that conversation, in my opinion. What do you guys think about a uh, an Anthony Davis move, potentially? Maybe not in the offseason, but if the season starts off slowly next year for the Lakers with his injury problems and the idea that LeBron's getting older, I know this was a more popular idea when LeBron said his future was sort of unknown. So they were saying if, if LeBron would retire, maybe they would move on from Anthony Davis and start rebuilding, but or do something like that. But that sounds like pretty, like it's intriguing. I've seen some Mikel Bridges rumors. I have no idea why the Nets would want to move off of him. I don't see that happening, but we did talk about it earlier. I could see, I could see the Bulls doing a, uh, a whole revamp and a whole rebuild. And I could see Vucevic being moved. I could see DeRozan being moved. And I could definitely see Levine being moved. Those are three guys that could could help a lot of teams. Um, when you think about a, a guy like DeRozan still being able to put up the numbers that he he's able to, to put up. And he's got leadership. He's got sort of just that. He's, he's a good veteran that you could add to any team. And he's not on a, a huge deal. So... If I, if I remember correctly, the Bulls got him on a pretty low deal, and he must be uh, expiring either this next year or the following year. So I could see all three of those guys being moved. And then if they do that, then you could see like a guy like Caruso being moved. That would be a valuable asset, not as important as some of the other guys we named. But it just depends what, what direction teams go. I don't think there's that many teams that could do what the Bulls – I think Portland and Chicago are two teams that if they do rebuild, there are some assets there that are very important that probably would take that that a lot of teams could just sort of pick up. I don't know. I think there's not many teams like that, but we start picking apart rosters. uh, There are some, some pieces that could fall if, if teams decide to rebuild and inevitably there will be one or two teams that do that. That just leaves uh, the door open for another team to, to pick them up. Yeah, the Bulls definitely have an interesting offseason ahead. Like you said, I mean, they're kind of in a weird place like Portland where they have some good pieces. I mean, obviously none as big as Dame, but they have pieces in Levine and Damar and Vooch that could bring back at least solid compensation in return for Chicago. I would say I think Demar's the most likely to get traded because he is on an expiring deal. So I think that's a team, like that's a player that I don't know if he'll be thrust into like a star role like he was in Chicago, but as a good like complimentary scorer, I could see him being a, a solid candidate. And you probably wouldn't have to give up a ton for a, a guy on an expiring deal like that. Levine might be tougher to trade because he has so much left on his deal. It would really take another team having faith that Levine can play at that all-star level that he has in the past, but doesn't really do consistently, I would say. And Vooch is interesting. I mean, he's a free agent, so he could just walk. But I think most likely the Bulls re-sign him or facilitate some sort of sign and trade. So like you said, I could see them totally blowing it up, but I think they've shown in the past they don't want to do that. So I would like to see them at least shuffle the deck a little bit. Well, but it- what do you think about what do you think about a guy? So I was talking to a guy at the train station yesterday, and he was saying how the Bulls were just a few a few moments away from beating what ended up being the Eastern Conference champion. And if they would have just pulled through with that game, they would have been in the finals. 
So they need to run it back. Yeah, I mean that's what I was <laughs> that's what I was telling people. I was like, yeah, I mean, we pretty much made the finals. We almost beat the Heat. We almost knocked them out. Basically. So like that would have been us. So basically, we're the second best team in the East. Is the conclusion. Right. But if you're getting to realism, they're not that good. But I think also I think the interesting thing is like you said with that. I mean, is I think obviously the Heat making a a run from the play-in, and even the Lakers making the conference finals from the play-in. I think those were very unique situations, but I do think given that other teams that are kind of in that space, so maybe that like five to 10 seed range, like your Atlanta's of the world, your Toronto, those type of teams, they may think they're probably a bit closer than they are. And obviously I do think in the NBA today, there's much more parity than there had been the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. So I do think you could contend, but I do think, you still need to have a pretty good roster to feel like you can truly win a championship. And I think the question just comes down for teams is if you're just wanting to be a playoff team or if you want to be a championship team. And obviously, as like we can sit here and say you want to be a championship team or you want to rebuild because that's just as a fan, it's kind of championship or bust. Like that's my mentality. But also as an owner and a GM, you also think about getting people in seats and stuff. And especially for Portland is an interesting one too, where it's like, not a huge market. So it's like, if the team sucks, like they're not going to sell that many tickets. Like it's definitely going to be a big hit on them. So I think it is interesting, but the bulls I think should move into the bulls. I don't understand. We're like, we're a big market. We should be able to get players to come and want to play in Chicago. And that just has not been the case. So I don't know. I think you can try and rebuild, get what you can. And hit the reset, but we don't really have that many great young players either. I mean, we have Patrick Williams is probably our best young player right now, but he will. Sure. I don't think he's an all-star. I think at best he's a strong role player, I guess. I think that's what he is. And you never know. You get some late blossomers here and there, but the Bulls are in a tough spot. Obviously, Lonzo, I don't think, plays again in a Bulls uniform. That's what it seems like it's going to be, which sucks for him, but I don't know. I don't like where the Bulls are at. And I think, obviously, given DeMar's one year, Booch is a free agent, and Levine is still young enough where I think you could get a haul back. I think it's the time to kind of give, give up on this team, but I wouldn't yeah. hate to see them retool a little bit. I just think I think one chain, one of those three players is going to be gone for sure. Yeah, Lonzo probably not playing again, at least if, that's what, if the reports are true. Vukovic, a shell of his magic days well was he even that good on the magic or was it just a product of being in an environment where he could put up those but i mean he dragged them to the playoffs himself bukovic you know if i I guess they they did get a they did make the playoffs once him and aaron garden yeah and then the same guy champion raptors (laughs) they made one one game (laughs) okay the uh the same guy at the train station also said that P-Will was a poor man's Bobby Portis, which is just disrespectful. But I don't agree with that at all. But then you look at DeRozan, who's getting older, and then Levine at pretty much the head of the snake. I don't trust that at all. So I could totally see Bulls management being like, we just got to keep Kobe White. Everyone else can go. I yeah, could totally I'll, see that. Happening. I would love to see Kobe White put up 25 a game next year. Just trade everyone. <laughs> get draft picks and have Kobe White and Patrick Williams just do whatever they want out there. And we'll probably win like 15 games, but it would be fun to watch Kobe White just get a green light and be able to do whatever he wants out there. If you're the Bulls, would you would you trade 
if just in case Phoenix wanted to just try something new, would you trade Vukovic for DeAndre Ayton? Absolutely. I mean, I think I I have not been a fan of DeAndre Ayton. Like, I didn't like him in college. I didn't like him as a prospect. I thought he should not have been the number one pick in that draft. But you still think he, that? Or would you would you take Luca or would you take would you take Aiden if you could do it now? It's a tough call. Because I still would run back with Aiden. It's a tough call. I mean, Aiden obviously a little more physical presence than Luca. Looks Big like. men are just so hard to find, you know. I mean, there's there's a lot of ball dominant, you know, ISO players in the league. But so I would I would definitely take Aiden if I could do it again. I think it's a close on call Sunday. for sure. I might go Marvin Bagley <laughs> one, and then Luca, then Aiden. That might be my rankings. But it's a tough call. Ah, uh, Bagley. But Jack, your I, thoughts? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I think uh, from the Bulls' perspective, I think they have a lot of assets. I would go full rebuild. I think Caruso made All-NBA uh, defensive first team, which is sort of a like uh, underrated fact. I feel like people kind of forgot that. That just happened. It was and, the you first know, Italian-American to do so, if you didn't know. I did not know that. Yeah, it's a big I, deal. I think he's got to, he's got some value you know like that's the perfect guy that uh contending teams would want might even trade you know a first round pick for him obviously to a contending team might be like a late first round pick and you know guys like Levine are still valuable DeRozan I think it's a great opportunity for them to to start just making some moves and try to see what they have in Patrick Williams and you know just try to initiate the rebuild you know I really don't think they have a, a winning uh, core with those guys of, of Vooch and, and the Rosen and Levine, I, I think they're all individually good enough players, but, you know, I, I think that they don't have, uh, you know, like a, even like a Jimmy Butler type that could carry them to a, a playoff series when, you know, the, maybe DeRozan is sort of closest uh, to that, but, you know, he's getting older. So I, I think if they could rebuild and, and try to get, you know, someone, uh, you know, or, or at least uh, trade those guys for, for some assets and then and start that rebuild, I think it'd be a good move for them because I really don't think they're going anywhere right now i mean they don't even have like a real star like a even the hawks have like a trey young that they could try to sell themselves on who's younger who has that you know you know 28 and 10 potential you know and, and could maybe improve they don't even have really that they have a bunch of just pretty good players so and and some higher quality ones but really not a ton so i would go for full rebuild I'm, i think i'm with you guys what do you guys think about minnesota i don't know if you guys saw pat that say them winning the play-in last year was more impressive than Denver's championship this year. And obviously there are two. I think it was Towns. Towns said that, I think. Towns on the said that? Show. I think, I think. I don't know. One of them said it. And Towns said he was like, he said he changed the game. And Towns was really talking on that podcast. Yeah, obviously we knew. We when knew they did- obviously we, we knew that was true, right? We knew that play-in game was more valuable than a championship but for him to come out and say it i don't know that's kind of like rubbing it in i mean we when you look back and you look at beverly's reaction he was on the table crying i mean it was it was 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 a good moment i remember i was watching it live it was crazy that was like a where were you moment you know like 9 11 or something like that when you say oh like where were you when when they won the playing game i'm kidding but jokes aside I do think that um, that's a ridiculous thing to say. I mean, Denver's never won a championship. They win. They go all the way. Um, Jimmy Butler dragged the that Minnesota team to the playoffs just a few years earlier 
So them just making a playoff berth, like, I don't know why that was so special at all. I mean, they had the talent on the team. It wasn't like some crazy underdog story. And to say that that's better than a championship, that's all you need to hear as a, as a Timberwolves management member to say, like, that, you know, get rid of this. This guy's a loser. Like, what kind of loser says some shit like that? Like, what the fuck? Are, are you, who are you saying, like, oh, the playing game was oh, so special? Like, you know, it was better than a championship. I mean, I don't care what context it was because I didn't even hear the context. That was like the dumbest thing I've ever heard him say. And then, like you said, he also mentioned that people are going to look back and say that he changed the game. I guess I guess he's implying like as a, as a big man shooter, you know. But I really don't think that'll be the case either. I really think they'll look at a guy like Dirk, and even if somebody before Dirk shot threes or shot long distance shots, they're gonna look at Dirk and, and basically give him the title of the guy who changed the game. Just like, just like Dame sort of changed the game, but they're not gonna they're not gonna they're gonna give that title to Steph Curry, even though Dame also is a long distance shooter and. In terms of percentage, you know, volume, you know, attempts and and things like that, and just iconic moments, you know, Dame has his fair share. But like, you're going to give the credit to Steph Curry. So for for Carl Anthony Towns to say that people are going to say that he changed the game, I highly doubt that, and I've never heard that before, even now. So I, I, I it felt like he was like smoking crack or something throughout that that pod because, and I feel like everyone who gets gets on the Pat Bev pod starts talking crazy because I don't know those two things are absurd but I could be wrong you know maybe people will say that and they'll look at him as sort of like a Wilt Chamberlain like figure but in my opinion uh, I don't think so yeah but you never know he's got the the play-in champion and the three-point contest champion on his resume and if that's the legacy he leaves (laughs) behind I'm sure he'll be remembered but yeah, I agree. It's ridiculous the things he was saying on that. He was kind of just spewing whatever he thought of, whatever crossed his mind. And honestly, I think Cat could be a sneaky trade candidate for Minnesota too. Just, but Minnesota is a team that's they kind of pigeonholed themselves trading everything they had for Gobert last offseason. And obviously this season, not what you would call a successful season for a team that pretty much went all in. So they're a team that definitely I could see making some sort of move. I think you're basically stuck with Gobert after you played this year. No one's going to want to take that contract. And I think it's clear that Anthony Edwards is the guy you want to build around and not Carl Anthony Towns. So I think a cat trade is, I would say, unlikely, but not impossible. Do you guys think there's a world you could that? flip? Go ahead, Jack. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I think Towns is definitely – available or at least uh, the possibility of him getting traded is, is out there I don't know who would want him I know I actually saw some Blazers rumors uh, for him too just because I know they're they're looking for what stars they could get but he's 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 flawed as a player obviously he's also extremely talented I, I will give him credit he is one of the more prolific three-point shooters as a big guy he does shoot a high percentage and a good amount of uh, attempts but at the same time you know I don't know he, he's sort of like a lot of these other guys who have no track record of being like uh, an actual winning player on like a or a good player on a winning team. It, you know, he, he puts up the stats and I think a lot of these teams would be taking a chance by trading for him. And, but by Minnesota doesn't have a choice. I mean, they, they might have to trade even more assets uh, with Gobert to move him. And they already trade a lot just to get him. So they're kind of stuck with him. Uh, 
And so they might see that that's the only choice is to, to move towns. And uh, I, I'm sure some team will, will take a chance on him uh, just because he is really good. I mean, taking a chance sounds like the wrong word. He's obviously going to be a good player for whoever he goes to. Maybe a New York Knicks or someone like that who wants to get some more offensive firepower in there. I'm curious what you guys think about like a, a Randall for Towns centric trade. You know, you get, you get Randall in there with a traditional, uh, you know, rim protecting center and, you know, give him a little more freedom. And then you have Towns who could be, uh, you know, the, the, the pick and roll guy for, for Brunson and, you know, and be uh, in New York. I, I don't know if that sounds like a decent trade or maybe it's a ripoff for, for one of the two, but. I don't see Minnesota making that trade. I think for the Knicks, it could be interesting just because I think Randall kind of, uh, I don't want to say he like sucked in the playoffs, but he was disappointing is one way to put it. But I think for Minnesota, if you get Randall and Gobert, like, and even Anthony Edwards, who is a capable shooter, but not necessarily known for shooting, more just like a slasher, good athlete type guy who can, he can hit a jumper, but it's not, it's not his thing. I think the, the spacing on that team with Gobert already is going to be horrific. I think there's not a lot you can do with that team on offense. So I don't I don't think that makes sense for Minnesota. But I do think you're right. Like, I think the idea of trading, if you do trade Towns, it wouldn't be for a full-on rebuild type trade because you have Edwards and you have Gobert, who are still, I mean, maybe not the best foundation, but it's a foundation for sure. And you don't own any of your draft picks. So it's like you don't want to sell everything and just go into tank mode because then you're not even helping yourself at that point. So I do think the idea of a Towns for, I don't know, maybe another player, like borderline all-star type player, is something that they would look into. But I don't think it for Randall makes sense. I saw some, uh, some Zion Williamson rumors to New York as well. I'm curious if they're going to be one of those teams that tries to make a splash. They're in a weird spot because they don't have a ton of assets other than maybe Randall and, you know, quickly and some of those guys. Have, but Do they have their draft picks? They, I mean, I know they don't have this year's pick because the Blazers have their 23rd yeah. pick. They definitely have some they can trade, I know. So it's going to be weird. They're in some of these rumors, but they don't really have like a ton of assets and not you wouldn't move Brunson, obviously. So I, I wonder like what, what they could really get. I mean, yeah. Zion Williamson's cool and all, but you're going to send him back Julius Randle? And, like, they won't do that. It's ridiculous. I feel like the Knicks just end up in every conversation just because they're the New York Knicks. But you never know. I mean, if Zion comes out and says he wants to be in New York, like, maybe that happens. I mean, if he basically holds out and says, but I don't think Zion really has the leverage of where he goes in this situation because he's, he's, I mean, he's under contract. So it's not really like, I mean, if he's got what? four or five years on his deal still like you're not going to sit out five years and you're just saying your career's over so he doesn't really have a say if he does get flipped but the Knicks I think they could get someone I mean obviously they proved they're better than I think people thought but again they're they're one of these teams where I think Brunson's awesome like he's a great player but he can't be your best player on a championship team even like a I think Brunson can be a good number two I don't know if I'd call him a great number two he could be that if he continues to improve the way he has. But the Knicks are, I think, a bit too far, in my opinion, to do anything drastic. But I don't know. I think they're a team that's just always in these conversations, regardless of how good they are. Um, But, yeah, I think the only other thing that I want to talk about before we wrap it up soon 
is just free agency. Obviously, it's not a super strong class, but you got Harden, Kyrie Irving, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, um, D'Angelo Russell, Draymond. I just want to close it out. Um, one free agent that you would want to see your team target and then one of like the star free agents that you could see switching teams. Cause I think honestly, the most likely scenario for a lot of these guys is just returning to the team that they were on given the market today. Jack, you want to start us off with the uh, free agent that you would love to see the Blazers get? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, looking at the free agents here, the, the one that stands out, which seems very unlikely uh, just because of their, their success would be a Bruce Brown. I know he's a player option. More than likely, he would deny that option and become an unrestricted free agent. Um, other than that, I mean, there's, uh, you know, there's there's players like a Harrison Barnes, who is always just a very solid player um, that, you know, would be kind of interesting for the Blazers or many other teams. Um, not that he's, you know, particularly uh, special as a player, but obviously above average quality player. So those are a couple of players I like. Obviously, as you said, tough class, not a lot of amazing talent. Um, in terms of uh, overall, at the top, there's a couple quality guys. but um, And then in terms of guys switching teams, I think the easy choice is probably a Kyrie, even though he said he's trying to recruit LeBron to Dallas. I, I think there's also a, yeah, a decent well, chance crazy. he could, he could That's not going to yeah. happen. <laughs> right, yeah. I think Kyrie could move teams. Um, but the way he's talking about Dallas, maybe he's just trying to get his extension and then figure it out later, kind of like Bradley Beal, get his money and then figure out changing teams later. Max, you have a player that you like that he could target? Yeah, I mean, obviously we talked earlier, a lot of guys that the Heat would be targeting via trade. But I do think that there are some guys that they could add just from the free agent class, even though it's not an amazing one. Depending on what we do with, if we could if we could find a way to deal Kyle Lowry and kind of dump that salary, I think signing a guy like a Kyrie, but not on a long-term deal, if you're able to do that, that would be good because he still obviously has the talent, always dealing with something off the court, but his talent is undeniable, and I think he would be a good player to to add to the team just in terms of talent. But also a Fred Van Fleet would be pretty good too. Um, and then if you could re-sign Gabe as well to be the backup, I think all of a sudden you turn what was a weak spot into a pretty strong uh, point on your roster. So there's one area we can go in also – we really went most of this year without a power forward that he did. Um, they had Caleb Martin at the power forward all before we got Kevin Love. And I think what you can do is you can get a guy like maybe a Christian Wood or somebody like that and then hopefully re-sign Kevin Love and, and have him be the backup. So you'll be upgrading those two spots if you could do something like that. If they don't end up going and doing something through trade. I still think, like I said, there are some some ways that they can improve the roster just through the free agents. I think those some of the guys I mentioned, Kyrie, Fred Van Fleet, Christian Wood, those are still meaningful players. So maybe not. Well, I guess, well, yeah, they're all all-star level players except for Christian Wood. So I think they, they can still impact the team uh, greatly just depending on if you can get them on the, on the right deal. I think if a Fred Van Fleet wanted a max deal, which is what he probably wants, then all of a sudden that's uh, not as enticing. So. Same with Kyrie, if it's you a think, long-term deal. So, you think Kyrie would buy into Heat culture? Because so I was seeing that's kind of a debate of whether they think he could fit that type of team. Mm, I think Kyrie's a guy that likes to 
not go with the crowd. I think he would try to find a way to, um, I guess, not not fit in. But you never know. I think there's been a lot of players that have gone to Miami that have uh, that they get they always get the most out of, and it would be very interesting. And uh, I mean, you still look at a guy like Kyrie. I still think he does. I'd rather have him than John Morant in terms of off the court issues. Kyrie at least kind of stands by what he does, whereas it looks like, even though they're probably mistakes, whereas if you look at a guy like John Morant, it's all stuff that he seemingly regrets. So uh, going back to the question, do I think he would fit in with Heat culture? Would they be able to sway him into uh, caring more about basketball? I I do, I think to an extent, but I do think Kyrie's a guy who would who would still try to kind of rebel a little bit. So who knows? It'd be interesting. I hope we don't have that problem. But if we could, if we had to just pick up a free agent, he would, uh, it would be, I think it would be interesting to say the least. Yeah, no, I think, I think he would be a good fit. I mean, certainly talent wise, I think that would be an asset that I think could, would have the capability of elevating the team. So it's definitely a worthy gamble if you can get Kyrie on board and interested. But honestly, I expect him to resign in Dallas because I think Dallas will will probably be one of the few teams that will offer him, at least that could be a contender that will offer him a long-term max deal. So I expect him back in Dallas. But obviously, given his past and how much he's switched teams lately, you can't rule him out. Switching going to the Lakers or Miami or somewhere else, I mean, you don't really know. But it should be interesting. And then for my Bulls, obviously a lot of it depends on what direction they do with this offseason, whether they're keeping their players, trading them, whatever. But I would love to see Derrick Rose back in a Bulls uniform. I know he's a free agent. Just bring him in as a vet, teach some of the young guys. And another guy that I think maybe is a questionable opinion, but if especially if we had in the direction of a rebuild, I would not mind seeing Russell Westbrook in a Bulls uniform especially if Alonzo Ball is not going to play at all again. Because I don't know if if we still have Levine and DeRozan, I don't think we can get him. But I think if we get rid of one of them, I think, especially if we get rid of just Amar and still Levine, I think having Levine play a little more off ball and having Westbrook really be that point guard would be at least an interesting experiment. So, and I don't think he'll command a ton of money either. I mean, he looked really good in the playoffs, honestly. I, I, I'm i kind of a Westbrook hater, and, and I got to say, he looked pretty pretty good and properly motivated to prove everyone wrong. And I think if he were to come into, a, like, a Bulls team and got the keys to really be himself again and playing with some talented players, I mean, you know, if he was playing with DeRozan and Vucevic and, and Levine, like, you know, that, that is a good amount of talent around him and, and Pat Williams, that's a nice lineup. And I honestly could see him, you know, getting back to his, uh, his ways as a, uh, a very effective player, maybe not an all-star, but, you know, definitely a guy who's influencing wins and maybe dragging them to the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, yeah, think, I think he'd well, be worried about contract. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I think in the right environment, he definitely still has the capability to be a very good player. Obviously, at this point in his career, I don't think he could be a great player, like all-star level player, at least on any type of consistency, but he's still good. And I think he proved that when he was on the Clippers. Yeah, I think they would want to bring him back. But like you said, I don't think he would even really want a big contract. I think at this point, he it's more about where could he fit? Where could he be effective? Where could he put up numbers? And where could he be in a place that doesn't just get slaughtered by the media? Because I think in Los Angeles, at least the Lakers, 
every single night he was being criticized. So I think if he was able to go to a place where he felt accepted, I think that would be more important to him as a guy who's made so much money throughout his career through his contract and through the NBA, but also through you know sponsor sponsorships and things like that. So I'm sure I'm sure that's not his main priority, but you never know with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think he'll probably want to go to a situation where he knows or at least thinks he can succeed, given how poorly it went with the Lakers. But it'll be interesting. And then I think last question before we call it a show, uh, James Harden, arguably the biggest free agent on the market that we didn't talk about. Uh, where do you think he's going to go and why? Obviously, Philly and Houston are the big favorites here. If, if, if I had to make a guess, I would uh, put my money on Philadelphia, but I'd say it's like 60-40, 6% Philly, 40% Houston. I think we can't underrate the strip clubs down there, underrate how, uh, you know, how much he likes it down there. And I think they seem – I've heard some rumors that they want to start winning again, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if for some reason they traded – a guy like uh, Kevin Porter Jr. or even Jalen Green, which doesn't really make a ton of sense to me, but I, I think they actually are weirdly into that idea. So, you know, that's on the table, and I think they uh, they might want to get back to the winning ways. So I'd say I, I have to bet on Philly, but would not be shocked if he's in Houston, like most people. Yeah, if I had to guess, honestly, I'd say Houston. Uh, I think that they've had – there's been too many rumors throughout the entire year and then even now that, that he's going to go there, and it's like – I have no idea why a veteran player like James would want to go back to Houston to end his career on a team that's not competing for anything. And they're probably not going to pay him that much more than uh, Philly would pay him if Philly did still want to keep him, which it looks like they do. I saw an interview with Nick Nurse, and he was talking about how he would love to have Harden back, but he seemed very unsure of it. And I don't know. I just think uh, it almost feels like it's his his, uh, destiny to go back to Houston, even though Daryl Morey's not there anymore. Uh, so it really doesn't make any sense from on on paper or even like from a basketball perspective or financially. I don't I don't really understand why he would go there, but I feel like there's too much noise about it for it not to be true, in my opinion. But you never know. Maybe uh maybe it'll end up working out and he stays in Philly. I, I could obviously see that too, but I think those are the only two candidates. I don't see him going anywhere else, and I don't think there's that many teams that would want him, or at least on the contract that he's probably gonna demand and um and I don't even know why Houston wants to bring him in as a uh, like as a veteran. I mean, you're trying to develop young guards, so you're going to bring in a ball don- dominant veteran guard that's going to take away some of the shine from the guys that you theoretically uh, want to be the future. It really makes no sense at all to me in general. But uh, that's that. If I had to guess, I'm, I'm picking Houston. What about you, Nate? Yeah, I think he's going to go to Houston. I think, like you said, there's too many rumors for there not to be only some truth in it. And I think it just comes down to is he just likes living in Houston more than he likes being anywhere else. And obviously, there's some fit concerns. I mean, obviously, they have Jalen Green, who they they want to be one of their star guards. And I think it's rumored they're probably going to take uh, Amen Thompson, who's kind of a guard slash wing type guy. And I think in the right way, it could be a good fit. If, if Harden can really just be a facilitator and be like closer to a true point guard than the scorer that he has been in his prime and was in Houston previously, I think it's not a bad fit. And they have the money to spend. I mean, I think they have like 50 million in cap space, which is the most in the league by a pretty big margin. So it should be interesting. And then obviously if he does leave, that puts Philly in a weird spot where 
And Bede's really their only max. I mean, I guess they have Tobias Harris on a pretty big deal still, and they're going to have to pay Maxi. And but if you lose him to Houston, where you're not get, it's not going to be a sign and trade because they have the money to just make the deal happen. That's a pretty big hit to Philly as a title contender, just not being able to replace that contract. So it should be interesting. But I'm going to go Houston, and I think we can sign off there. Appreciate you guys coming on the show, and I want to thank everyone out there for listening. Yes, Nate, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And my uh, the guy I always come on with, always have a fun time with him, Jack. So appreciate, appreciate everybody. It. Yeah, see you guys.